This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Want to encourage diversity for your planet and your palate? You can branch out beyond bleak retail chain inventories and support local farmers who are growing something different by downloading the Specialty Produce app and exploring our global in-app share market where you can discover unique items or specialty marketplaces near you. Stay hungry, friends. Download today on Apple or Android and start exploring. On the Front Burner puts two no-nonsense culinary professionals on air discussing tough industry topics, interviewing fascinating food personalities, and providing penetrating looks at the industry that we love. We don't always agree and often provide compelling personal insights from a unique combination of life experiences. You know, it's a lively give and take. It's by no means conventional. Elaine owns Sweet Cheeks Baking Company and is a winner of the Food Network's Cupcake Wars and Fabulous Cakes. A seasoned industry professional, she is a cake designer and a certified sommelier. Don is a chef, an award-winning journalist, and a culinary educator. Together we take a not-always-pretty, sometimes-funny, and always-entertaining look at the world of food and beverage. Hello, and welcome to the second half of the January edition of On the Front Burner. I'm Don Williamson. And I'm Elaine Artizzoni. 2020. That's right. Round did you two. have a good New Year? I did. I had a really nice New Year. And I'm very, very positive about 2020 is going to be better than 2019. Well, I sure hope that's true. Yeah. I had a quiet New Year, just a little champagne and a little music, and I was fine. Well, that's good. Yeah. Traditions are good. In the first half of this show, we did one of our traditions. We talked about the new laws and how they impact the industry. Now we've got a second tradition that we have each year, and we kind of take a look at new restaurants that are either just opening or plan to open during the year. And Elaine's put together a list, and we're going to talk a little bit about who's coming and who's new and what we think about that. Yeah. Elaine? Well, you know, one of the things in looking at new restaurants that are out here, I'm I'm noticing more and more so many of these places are more of that kind of faster, casual kind of a place, much more so than we're – it's not like we're finding a whole bunch of um, – fine dining places opening. Yeah, we want to get into that a little bit more about yeah. why that might be or what's going on, but who are some of the th- places that have caught your eye? All right. Well, some of some of the places that kind of speak to me, um, one, even though it's just kind of a, it, it's not a fancy place, but Ono Grinds, which is um, a Hawaiian-based concept. And we just, I know them because they used to be right down the street from us uh, in Mission Gorge area. And they are apparently just now at the Liberty Public Public Market, which is cool. So I think they're an incredible addition to them. They're, you know, kind of the huli huli chicken and Kalua pork kind of place. I think that's fun. What do you got? Going along with that, Moto Deli is expanding. Oh and yeah, I so know. I saw them, but yeah. I didn't. I'm not familiar with them. I'm going and, to Encinitas. And I know I'm going to get in trouble again, but I always do that. <laughs> I think has some of the best charcuterie in the city of San Diego. Oh, oh, you mean for sandwiches or not necessarily charcuterie and for sandwiches? Okay. And they do just a, a bang up job. And I have Good to know. Yeah, o- only seen high class stuff come out of there. 
only heard rave reviews from people about them. Cool. So it's really good to see that they're moving on and, and expanding a little bit. All right, cool. Um, new craft distillery in Oceanside, Pacific Coat Spirit, sounds neat. Uh, cocktail bar and farm-to-table restaurant in addition, uh, lunch and dinner menus, and like shared plates and that kind of thing. But they're doing gin, vodka, brandy, agave, and then some whiskey variations, which is kind of a lot to work on. But I, I think that sounds really neat, although... I live downtown, so going to Oceanside for all the cocktails is <laughs> probably not You have gonna... to ride the coaster. Yeah, exactly. you got to ride the coaster. Um, another, there are a couple new things, too, at the Liberty Market. Another one is Duo Confections. Um, they are a farmer's market original that are now going to be a brick and mortar down at Liberty Public Market. And they're kind of Hong Kong street snacks, like bubble waffles, which I am excited to try. Um, that are going to be pressed fresh to order. They've got like rich creamy gelatos, acai bowls, smoothies, kombucha. So that's kind of a fun thing. You know, Liberty Market, Liberty Public Market mm-hmm. is, is is really tr- kind of blowing up in terms of restaurants. I know some of that's people that aren't making it going out of business, but then other folks are coming in. Yeah. What are some of the places we've got there? Um, another place is the... Um, New concept bow bar, and I I actually wanted to find out, and I didn't have a chance to find out if it's the same people who have one down in Mission Beach, which is tiny, and it has I think the three little seats, but it's really good, really yummy little um, those bow buns. Uh, Landini's, who's a pizzeria that I know from right up the street in Little Italy, um, really good New York style pizza by the slice, which we all know is very um, limited here in San Diego. Nice to see that they're going into Liberty Public Market. Um, a new Latin chef for Peruvian and Brazilian style dishes. Um, and then we've got Korean, Mexican. Um, uh, we've got soul in a bowl, tortilla. Soul, S-E-O-U-L. Oh, yes, Korean soul. Mm-hmm. The pig's gig. Um, all sorts of new stuff going into the public market. So that's kind of a – I think that's a place to go check out again. Not that it isn't always, but – It's a great place. I think that one of its major attractions, though, was dwindling, dwindling a little bit. What's that? It used to be that you would go there because you could park. You could always park. Oh, there was is tricky, tons huh? of parking. Now it's become so popular, and there's so many things there that parking's a little difficult. Yeah, I, I always wondered, and we maybe we should find out when you can have a historic location like Liberty Station. And I know that you can't build and redo things without getting permission. But can't you just put a parking structure? I don't know. Would that? You know, I mean, the parking lot can't be historic. We'll have to ask somebody and bring them on because I've always wondered about that. If they built a couple of parking structures, right. they could double the amount of people that right. they Even could if handle. it's just down the block because there's, you know, people have to just be willing to walk a little bit, you know, at some point. Um, but just down the block, there are a couple of parking lots, but they, you're right. They really don't hold very much. So you mm-hmm. have to plan accordingly if you're going down there. We usually take the Vespa. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> it's easy. Okay. Who else um, looks good to you? Well, Haramama um, and Blue Ocean Sushi is interesting to me um, going into Prospect Street. God bless them. That's a tricky business going into Prospect and in La Jolla. Oh, yeah. So I hope that works for them. But Haramama is another little um, another little Italy place. And I don't remember seeing that they had closed. So hopefully they haven't closed there. But they're another little cute spot for some of the kind of unusual little, um, not just sushi, but some kind of fun noodles and buns that they sell. And so that sounds like kind of a neat thing to check out. And then um, 
I have to mention some of my favorites just because uh, I know them and I love them. But um, first, Chef Accursio, who was formerly at Solare and mm-hmm. just love his Great food. Great chef. Great chef, Sicilian guy. Just opened a new place, um, the old cardamom spot. So it's right at 30th and Upis. And it's called Cori, C-O-R-I, Pastificio. And Pastificio means it's a pasta maker, or pasta producer. And it's all homemade pastas. And it's not a huge menu, but it's a beautiful menu. A good friend of mine just went the other night, said it was wonderful. I believe Accursio's wife's name is Corinne. And I'm guessing it is kind of a nod to her name, even though it's an Italian-sounding name and spelled in Italian way. Um, also probably akin to the word cuore, which means heart. So it's a lovely kind of play on words. And, and, and he does great things. He's won international awards. And the space he went into was so interesting to me. Cardamon has been run for the past several years by one of my former students. Oh, cool. So she left class and opened Cardamon. Wow. And now Curcio, who was a good friend of hers, mm-hmm. Uh, she sold it to him, and so now the tradition continues in terms of having people that love food and have a passion for it mm. in that spot. How cool. That's nice to know. Yeah, I actually looked at that space a long time ago for a bakery, and I, it's a nice location. It I think. Is. I don't Again, tough parking. Very tough parking. But it's a area. very walkable area. It's a very walkable area once you find a place to put the car. <laughs> and or there's a lot you up live there. there. There's a lot up there. You know, mm-hmm. it's right across the street from a bunch of bars and coffee and whatnot. Um, then also uh, Morning Glory, which is not at this point really super new anymore, but one of the consortium holdings that's um, right at the corner upstairs location of the Little Italy Piazza. And, you know, we always see the lines and down below them is the farmer's table. Um both big restaurant. Well, the farmer's table is a huge restaurant. And um, so we see a lot of people kind of usually a lot of tourists hanging out waiting to get to these restaurants. I have heard very good things about the Japanese souffle pancakes at the Morning Glory. I think it's a kind of a place to go because it's neat. And they have this spectacular um, pink flower kind of window lighting situation in the top. It's everything that they do is always very beautifully designed. It's always, um, to me, very striking just to go in and see what they do. And they've got, I think, just lovely lattes and that kind of thing as well. But I think it's a pretty big um, all-day brunch spot. And then uh, my two that I am probably most excited about are um, spinoffs from the guys at Chivico 1845, which is uh, the corner main corner in Little Italy on India, So um, the partners of that restaurant opened their own independent of each other. Because they're brothers, right? Well, it's three guys. Two of them are brothers. Mm -hmm. And another one, so um, Pietro and Dario are brothers. And their dad, John Pietro, came over from Italy as well to help. So, And then there's Flavio, who also has two brothers who are not partners in Civico. But Flavio and his two brothers, Giovanni and Sazà, opened... Siamonopoli in North Park, which took over the old Il Postino spot. And so it's just right, just above, um, it's 30th and University, just above University, North University. It's fantastic. The chef, um, Alfonso, who is from Italy, who was the chef at Civico, is now the chef at Siamonopoli. Siamonopoli means we are Naples, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it is fast-paced. It's wonderful food. Um, they've kind of tucked it down a little bit from having been a much larger restaurant, so it's a little bit more user-friendly now. And um, great pizzas, great pastas, great entree. I, I can't speak highly enough about it. Wonderful wine list. And then Il Dandy opened by um, – they actually opened a little bit further, longer ago, uh, by John Pietro, John Pietro, and Dario – 
the other side of Chivicote, they opened El Dandy in the um, Fifth and Laurel spot in the lower level of the Mr. A's building. Right. And it is a much higher end version of Italian, um, which we haven't seen, I don't think, in San Diego since Salvatore's opened downtown. But um, it's lovely. It's very mid-century. I think they did a beautiful job. The portions are a little smaller and refined. Um, the food's excellent. The Again, the, the drinks are, are very good. Um, they're lovely. They've actually got a chef's table for special um, price per head kind of a scenario that you can take over. I believe it's 12, up to 12 people. It is quite expensive, but but I think it's going to be one of those knock out of the park kind of things. And just to get a tour through that kitchen is insane. It's one of those hmm. very... Um, to die for kind of kitchens. Any chef that would walk in there would just drool. You know, it's pretty cool. And they've got a nice big patio with a um, fire pit on the outside, which is nice. And I hear we've yeah. got a new barbecue place coming to town. Yes, there is a new barbecue place. Grand and, and I guess, Old Barbecue. Right, and I guess it's not new because it says they're opening their second location, but I didn't know about the first. I've always thought that San Diego was a strange barbecue town, and I've <laughs> taken two chances to get in trouble, and I guess I'll really do it this time. There is no real good barbecue in I, San Diego. I don't know great barbecue. I have never been to Tennessee and those places that are in Kentucky and, um, may, well, once in Cincinnati, I think I had good barbecue. But I feel like I'm missing out, so we need to go to this place. It's called Grand Old Barbecue. I think the new one is in Flint Springs, which mm-hmm. is out 8 East. Um, and it's got room for kids. I, oh, this is the place. I have a friend who's been there with her daughter and she says it's super fun and it's a great place for your kids to kind of like run, you know, hog wild and be crazy lunatics, which we don't find that very often anymore, right? That That's people true. feel safe with their kids running mm-hmm. around. So I think that sounds like a neat place to go. Yeah, because one of the things I've noticed is that good barbecue yeah. requires good sauce. Oh, see, even if it it's even if it's dry rubbed, yeah. Even if it's dry, there still needs a, a good sauce because I, I I went to school in Kansas, so I yeah. knew Kansas City barbecue. Uh, okay. Lived on the East Coast and ate North Carolina yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, out here, there just isn't that tradition, right? And some of the places that you know rah rah out here just aren't that good. Yeah, I went to the I went to the big one recently, and it was okay, just okay. Um, but again, I don't know what I'm comparing it to. Um, real quick, couple more. Now, um, Brian Malarkey actually has a couple new places in um, Urban Sea, which I think is probably going to be a wonderful place to check out. Um, obviously, seafood focused. And then Anime, which I just heard about. And um, he's brought in Joe Magnanelli, who was with Cucina Urbana for 10 mm-hmm. years. And I know Joe um, more so from his Italian-focused food, but this is going to be more of like a sort of Asian soft focused. pan-Asian kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah, obviously with the name anime, like the Japanese anime. So that's kind of fun. Um, I'm yeah, sure, as always, really, it'll be very flamboyant design, yeah, I'm sure. I've heard it's really over the top. Yeah. I haven't been there yeah. yet, but I've had... Friends and, and food bloggers I talked to have gone and just said it's just a way to spend an over-the-top evening. And probably it's a lot of money. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you shouldn't go check it out because I think those kinds of things are, are a nice a nice alternative thing to do. Um, now, another place in Point Loma, which we don't hear much happening out of Point Loma. Not um, anymore. No. Down Voltaire Street, though, new restaurant there called Cesarina. And I'm going to spell it for those of you who aren't good with your Italian, Don. C-E-S-A-R-I-N-A. Cesarina. Like Cesare. 
or Caesar. Anyway, Cesarina is supposed to be fantastic. Again, um, beautiful homemade uh, pastas. I think they're made daily. And it's got a little big outdoor patio area to sit. Um, and I just heard from another Sicilian friend that it has great tiramisu. So anyway, that's another cool place to check huh. out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you don't hear a lot about Point Loma anymore, no. even though the best Thai food in San Diego is in Point Loma. I'll just oh, leave that alone. No, I have been there. It's next to um, the only Chinese takeout that I can find anymore that's in the right. area. ZNF uh, Chinese. Mm-hmm. Supani. Supani. Excellent, yep. excellent, yep. excellent I've Thai. only been there once and it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. You're right. Um, who else do we need to discuss? Oh, you know what we need to discuss is people who are nomas. What the heck? Well, well, yeah, let, let, let's you do that and more? then come back on, on this again. Because I think it was really interesting that right around the end of the year, we looked up and Donovan's in La Jolla was gone. I know, it's crazy. And then New Year's Eve... They had this big party at McCormick and Schmidt's, their New Year's blast. New Year's Day, people showed up to work, and it was no more. Oh, come on. Absolutely. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's exactly what happened. They showed up to work, and there was a whole new restaurant in there. Oh, wait, what? A whole new restaurant was in there. What? And there was a representative from Landry's who owns, who owns McCormick and Schmitz, right? McCormick and Schmitz, along with eight million other restaurants, telling people they didn't have a job anymore. You know, you know what really stinks, and you know they didn't give those people any severance. Severance, at least give me notice. Yeah, like let me not have to wake up early on New right. Year's Day. Yeah, I'm coming into work. What kind of- I'm sorry. This is where jackass comes back out of my mouth because it's my favorite word. But what kind of cruel lack of common courtesy? It, this is why people are quitting the industry because of jackasses like that. Yeah, I, I just don't understand it. And, and we can't get any response back from them. Wow. Uh, so we'll wait till after because today is, is just the day after New Year's. So mm. we'll uh, see if we can get some response back from them. But yeah, people showed up for work and they had wow. no idea it was coming. That's madness. That's yeah. madness. All right. Well, now it, that you said that, now I feel like I need to say something positive again. So Trust Restaurant Group, who I think has done great work with their restaurants, has a new place, Rare Society. So Steakhouse meets Shared Plates. So let's just say they're so they're on Park Boulevard. Let's just say that they'll replace Donovan's for some of us. <laughs> we need to come up with something happy again. Well, one thing that you noticed okay. and um, – when we were looking at this list, and there's a long list of restaurants that are going to open this year. We only touched a few of them. Yeah. But the first thing Elaine came up with was, these are all fast food or fast casual. And- well, some of the ones I just went over are not. Yeah, but, but most but really, of them. Um, let's see. Pachimama, Firebird's Chicken, that moto, the Moto Deli for sure. Um, let's see. What else? Of course, everything at Liberty Market. And um, let's see. Spitfire Tacos and Head Lettuce. There you go, which is such a cute name. Um, Esquina Vintage and Coffee. Um, City Tacos. You know, they're they're. Yeah, but that of... says something, Elaine. Yeah, if you've got all of these new fast and fast yeah. casual places coming in, and then you've got Donovan's, and you've got McCormick and right, Schmidt's closing, old... and yeah. Ocean, um, Blue Point. 
Blue Point. Oh, you're right. Blue Point. And Blue Point. I forgot. We didn't even mention that when Blue Point closed. I keep meaning to ask someone from the coast. After group. 500 years yes. of being there, I thought they'd be there. It was the first restaurant I ever ate mm-hmm. in in San Diego. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So because so fine dining is a is becoming a distinct species. Well, it now seems I want to like. know if the cones are going to reopen in that space with something else, or if they're just going to bail out of downtown, out of the gas lamp, or if they're going to put in something That's faster and do, casual. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Huh. Yeah. And, and I think that that does come to what we're saying that people are going out of business. People can't aren't doing fine dining, and a lot of that has to do with. Well, some of it has to do with just the cost of, of, of living in San Diego. Right. You know, that it's expensive to have a restaurant, to pay the mortgage, to pay salaries, which goes back to the minimum wage right. that we talked about. It's just really, really tough. But I think it's broader than that because, as we've touched on before, there is a chef shortage, a cook shortage Across the country. Because it's very, okay, so again, it's this vicious cycle. It's expensive to pay good people, and it's expensive for them to live in a place that's expensive to live in. So they can't take the jobs or keep the jobs because they can't afford to keep the jobs. Even if they like the job, they can't afford to keep. I've had, I've had people who had to leave in the past years who just couldn't afford to stay in the industry. And there's nothing I can do. It's not like I can suddenly start paying them a hundred grand a year to stay. There's no way. You know, the, the, there's a point where the business cannot cannot justify what you know you want to pay people. There's just no way. Well, if so, that's true, and 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 I, and I agree that it is, then why do we keep seeing so many restaurants open? Because, you just well, read all of those okay. restaurants opening. Okay. Well, some of them, for sure, like we've talked about in the past, are multiple. This is their this is their eighth restaurant. They've got big money behind them. They have people who are looking for places to launder or lose lose money. I didn't say launder. Did I say that? I did. You did. Okay. Well, anyway, they're looking for places to maybe have a loss. There are people with big money and companies with big money who want to invest. They need a loss, and this is a fun way to have a loss, right? So that is one element. It's not all of them, but that's If is one any element. of you are out there, you can call me, Elaine, and I. We'd be glad to put something together for you. <laughs> exactly. Um, but then you have the people that have done very well. They're, they're, so they, they've made enough on now a certain, there's a certain number of restaurants that can make you generate enough income that make it really viable. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two, sometimes it has to be past five and it depends on what your profit margins are. So some of these places are doing well with multiple units. Other places are doing well because they're doing this fast casual. They don't have to hire a huge staff. They can man the kitchen with just a couple people or woman the kitchen, shall I say that? Um, they can handle no service. Maybe it's, maybe, it's table, maybe it's not table service at all. Maybe you just walk up to a counter and you get the food brought to you or you go pick it up. That changes a lot with what your costs are. So you can keep opening restaurants that maybe aren't as expensive to operate or maybe the food cost isn't as high. It depends what kind of place. Or you're really cranking out cocktails. I mean – we all know what it costs to buy a bottle of vodka at the store versus what it costs to buy a couple of cocktails. I know when we go out, some of our favorite places to have a cocktail, it's easily 15 bucks a drink. What did that drink really cost? Come on. I mean, we all, that's the best place to make money if you can afford the liquor license. That's so, true. That's why I think there's, some of them are still opening. I think, you know, I, I, I think that's happening. 
But there, but there are issues. There's some things going on here. I, I, I thought it was really interesting because we talked to some chefs about some local chefs about um, what was going on about the shortage, why people were leaving, that sort of thing, and uh, the cook. And, and this is a quote: "The cooks want smoke and mirrors over flavor, and they're getting mm-hmm. bored in this in this part of time, and they don't want to remain in a restaurant." It wasn't that way when I started, says Claudette Zabeda Wilkins, who at that time was chef partner at El Jardin. She's mm. no longer there. Uh-huh. They took her out of there. They're, they're instituting a casual dining menu, and she was trying to bring in a fine dining Mexican menu with Mexican ingredients and, and recipes. And fun and creative and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, unique. And she's no longer there. Yeah. Um, so the, the, there's something going on. I, and, and then on top of all of that, the two largest non-state-run cooking schools in the city of San Diego uh, all both closed last right, year. Right. AI closed, American Institute, and the, and the San Diego Culinary Institute both closed. Yeah. It, it just defies logic to me that you have a restaurant city uh, where people come for vacation and conventions, that you have a tremendous amount of restaurants. You just read off 5,000 restaurants that are opening this year. You got a shortage of chefs, and cooking schools are going out of business. Mm-hmm. There's a question there. Right. Give me an answer, Elaine. Ah. Well, okay, a couple things. There's a lot of competition. It's a really hard business. And as much as people told me this before I went into it, I did it anyway, just because I'm, you know, whatever. You have to learn. You have to learn yourself sometimes. It's certainly fun. It's certainly got a lot of great stuff, um, but it's tough to make a living. So people get started, and then they realize, wow, this is not really what I thought. It's very easy to open a restaurant. It's just not easy to stay open. So, um, and you've got to have, if you want to hire someone who's going to be a good cook and and or really a chef, you've got to give them some creativity. And I think um, that's a bummer when you go into a lot of these places that really get tremendous feedback from locals. I don't know that they get great reviews or not, but they're exorbitantly popular and they are very uninspired. The menus are like, whatever. The food is always sort of like a little lackluster. And I think that's got to be a bummer for chefs who really are good. And they're like, God, I know this could be so much better. And I think it's frustrating for them. And I think part of that, too, goes back to the shortage. You have to have people that can execute these techniques. Right. And you don't right. so have, you have to dumb down your menu. Do that. You have to dumb your menu right. down. Right. And therefore, you get this boring food or this bland food. I think, and, and, and I don't know how real it is, but to a certain extent, they blame it on the whole Food Network Complex, mm. Uh, mm. when everybody thought they, they could become a TV star like you were, and to, um, <laughs> yeah. and, and to open a restaurant, and that was going to be it. And they forgot that it's hard work. Right. And that you've got to sit there and, and, and really work at it and put yourself to it. it was well, so- because they saw Jada and Rachel Ray with their makeup and their long hair mm-hmm. and their cute stuff. And that isn't reality. It, it was so interesting. When Philip was in here from um, Consortium Holdings, he was saying, you either got to be a traveling TV chef or you got to be a working chef. Right. You can't be both. No, you, you have to 
you have to be on site doing your job mm-hmm. one way or the other. And so I think that everyone thought they could do that and they got into it and they weren't successful and they saw how tough it was. And the change, being a, you know, we went from chefs being a nothing job that nobody thought anything about to being celebrity to back having a hardworking job. And now that hardworking job doesn't pay you what you want to, but what you need to have it pay you. And you still got chefs that believe they can holler at you and berate you and not treat you well. Oh, that, that kind of stuff makes me cuckoo. I, I actually have employees that work with me now who used to work at places, and they say that their bosses were so mean. And I just think, how? What do you mean they're mean? How can they be mean? You're in the food business. You're in the happy business. You're making cake. You're making positive well, well, Why I, would you be mean? I, I think, to be honest, some of that came from that, came from that whole French tradition because in, in, in French tradition, which – so much of our cooking comes from restaurant cooking, especially fine dining. They even called it a, begr- a brigade. A scoffier set up a, a a regimented kind of system, and you were like you were in the military. And I think over here that's transferred into hollering at people and barking orders right. and not treating them well and not appreciating them. The class structure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, we have a thing I know for for us. I've never hired um, a dishwasher, and we've Donna and I when she was here, we 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 dwelled on it for a long time. We said, "Do we have a dishwasher, or does everyone take turns?" And we we decided we just keep it as everyone just does everything of that element, because I have seen it over and again where you get a dishwasher and suddenly it doesn't become anyone else's job. Something needs to get washed. They look over and say, well, they haven't gotten my stuff washed yet. And none of my, none of my people have done that. I'm just saying I've seen it too many times that that's that hole. It's like a caste system. Like You can't get out of it. And then once you get out of it, you never want to wash another dish again. Well, that's true. It's better, I think, if you don't have prima donnas. Before we go away today on becoming a chef, being a great chef, I think this means an owner and having in a restaurant, I'm going to give off 11 things here to think about. Learn something new every day. Mm. Teach something new every day. Helps you learn. Have a plan. Never succumb to mediocrity. Communicate. That probably would have been number one for me. Yeah. Respect. That might have been number two. Move the bar. You know, don't just accept where you are. Try to get it better from there on. Look in the mirror. See who you are and what you're doing. Catch people doing something right. So often we just want to catch them when they're doing something wrong. Take care of yourself mentally and physically in terms of mental and physical health. And this one I thought was really interesting. Be the kind of person you would want to work for. Mm, I like that. That brings us to the end of this edition of On the Front Burner. We've loved having you. Happy New Year. We'll be back and see you next month. Elaine. Happy New Year again. Thank you, Don. Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year to Danielle in the studio. Our producer. We love her. And whipcracker. Woohoo! All right. Well, I'm Elaine Artizzoni. I'm Don Williamson, and you've been on the front burner.